Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Sue Costello grew up in the powder keg of Irish Catholicism that was Boston's Dorchester neighborhood in the 1970s. Costello got herself out of the neighborhood to make a lot of hay in Hollywood two decades later, culminating in her own Fox sitcom Costello. Since then, you've seen her as a regular on the roundtable for Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn, while her street smarts and brutal honesty won her a role on David O. Russell's 2010 film, The Fighter. There's no turning back, certainly no holding back, so let's get to it! Sue Costello again. Yes, hi. <laughs> it's me again, always. Uh, it's good to have you on the podcast. It's good to be here. Uh, you are very active on social media right now. Is that how you always are on social media? Are you? What do you mean? I'm very active. You're always posting on, on, yeah, the, always on the tweets do. and the yeah, always do. and the grams and the always. and the Facebooks. Always. <laughs> Is that an, an addiction of yours? Do you think? Not at all. No. 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 It's just. Getting the word out there, spreading the the seed of uh, Sue. It would be called my job. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you start the whole thing off with like an attack and a negative thing. What, is that your is that your mo? Is that what goes on? I never heard this podcast. Is that how it goes? Like, let's put her on the defensive and say she's an addict, and then we'll see how we can open her up. Yeah. No, it's never gonna happen, dude. I've been doing this for like seven hundred years. Like 750, seriously. <laughs> Just a girl from Dorchester. Just a girl from Dorchester. Now. My nose might be a little stuffy because I think I'm getting a little bit of a cold. That might be where I got the headache from. You know, they say this flu season is so bad that the flu shot will be only 10% effective. Oh, great. Yeah, I started getting a headache earlier and I'm like, I don't usually get headaches. And then my nose started getting stuffy and I go, oh, oh. Did you get sick often as a child in Dorchester? No. No. Nope. You had good attendance? That's I cool. had good attendance, yeah, but I always got on my report card, tends to be a social butterfly. Oh. I got does not play well with others. Oh. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> you got to work on your uh, I got, point of entry. I got all E's for excellent, <laughs> and then a check mark for, I got, well, I got an S for satisfactory for art, and then I got a checkbox in the behavioral Satisfactory is for... almost worse than getting, like, terrible. I'd rather yeah. get terrible or awesome. Satisfactory. But you know what? You remind me of the kid in, like, third grade that wore a suit to, to school. That's what you remind me of. Weird, because I didn't. You didn't? But no. if you could, would you? No, I hated dressing up as a kid. You did? But when I started in newspapers, I wore a bow tie. I was, yeah, you're a I was, tie guy. You're like um, until Whipple, I, George Whipple. That's what you remind me of. <laughs> until I realized that only <laughs> dweebs and douches wear bow ties. Uh, hi. I saw, I saw what was happening mm -hmm. in the world, and I was like, oh, that's not me. That's not who I am. Oh, good. So you picked up on it and you changed it up. Yeah. How about you? How about me? I never wore a bow tie. No, I mean. I did wear a three-piece suit, though, when I was little. My mother dressed me like a boy, so I had a three-piece suit on Easter. But how long did it take you to figure out who you really were versus who everybody thought you were? Like like six months ago. Really? Yeah. What happens? No, literally, like, just, re like, the past couple of months has really been, like, well, I don't know, the momentum, the fire, the whole thing is, like, really. And it's interesting because I've been working on my, br my brand. I hate saying my mm. brand, my experience. I want to call it the I Am Sue Costello experience. Okay. Because the brand is, like, I think all, the whole model, all of entertainment is, like, right. done. 
And I've been working on that. I didn't know what I was working on, but I just started writing my play after I had my sitcom. And I was like, all right, if they if I can't tell my story right. that way, I'm going to tell it this way. Okay. And so I've been working on what's going on in the world right now for 20 years. So and I'm very like, you want to talk about feeling comfortable in your skin? Like I'm right. like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for 20 years. So I have no, doesn't, I'm ready. What <laughs> what changed everything two months ago? Was it the, the Me Too movement or was it? Well, I've been. I mean, what else? The only way I can describe it. The only way I can describe, yeah, the two months with the the Harvey stuff and everything coming out is yeah, the Me been, Too movement, not the Hash. Me Too movement, the Harvey stuff coming out. Yeah, well, that that came out of the. But you're directing the narrative right oh. now. No, okay, not the Me Too. You movement. tell me the Harvey stuff that mm-hmm. it came out because that, I my opinion is is that it's um, the media is trying to make it just sexual and it's not just sexual. Okay. The abuse of power is financial. It's physical. It's sexual. Sexual is just one aspect of how they do it, and it mm-hmm. always goes back to the money. I wrote that today. It's like, and I've been writing it for years. I've been saying, if you go back and look over my social media, you go back and look. I've been saying, Artie Lang podcast, everything, right. and everybody's been screaming, screaming, screaming at me. So that's what you're seeing in me now. I'm like, people have been screaming at me my whole life, and I also was saying the truth. But I think there is something to be said about like when you're talking about something that people are so comfortable with, they are going to have a visceral reaction to it. They're very comfortable with the way that the system was set up and right. and this problem. I mean, the reason why the men had all the power is because it was unbalanced. So if you start talking in a way that un, you know takes away that power, mm-hmm. nobody's going to be like, oh, this is great and comfortable. So yeah, I love this. Let's just do this. Now, when you were a teenager back in Dorchester, what were you screaming and railing about? Okay, I was, I've never screamed and railed. So again, <laughs> how, how long have you been doing this? Does anybody else pick up on the way that you interview? No, I'm just, I'm just. But I never segueing. said I was squeal, screaming and railing at all. It's interesting. See how you say that, and then the listeners would be like, "Oh, he just said screaming and railing," and then they go, "Oh, Sue Costello screams and rails." Ah, Th- no, that is interesting. No, I like, I like that you're calling me out. So, okay, so you were a teenager. Let's, well, let's just go back and and tell your story in your words. But then. it's interesting because what you just did is a lot of what happens with women. What were you screaming and railing about? Yeah, that is true. I didn't. I didn't say I was screaming and railing. I said I've what been saying say? the truth. Oh, you said people have been shouting at you. Yes, and you turned it. And, and I turned it around. around. That's interesting. That was that was totally subconscious too. And that's what happens with women. Huh? I didn't even realize I did that. No, most. And that's the other thing because I've been doing it for twenty years. I actually have compassion. Where I'm like they on I I'm like they don't know what they're doing. Right. And I even say it to guys, and they're like. What you just did, like, they're not even aware of physically sometimes how they push you or they, they don't even realize. And so I had to work so hard to get to a place where it was not emotional for me because it is scary and it's de- it happens all day long, all the time. And if you're not aware of it, you're like, next thing you know, everybody's like, so you want to talk about as opposed to what people thought of you? Mm-hmm. People would say what you just said and then people would be like, they'd meet me in life and they'd be like, oh, you're much nicer in person. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm why? Because that's what every, everybody's like, oh, Sue's yelling at me, Sue's this. And I don't. The funniest thing is I don't. Other people were defining your narrative. Because the, I don't know what Whether it, it was is. me or someone else. Always. Always. And I kind and it took so much strength to not let that happen. Like, so, I like, like, almost like where you'd almost feel like you could go crazy because you're like, what is happening? Who am I? What are they saying? It's not right. even reality, which I think a lot of people can identify with. Even, I mean, even the guys that are doing it. People probably react to them and right. they're like, what? They're, and, and I guess what I was going to say about the what happened with the movement now, like the whole, not not just the Me Too, the whole right. 
sexism, the whole po- abuse of power. Now the guys are uh, my ability to be able to like not freak out on them. That's what I'm talking about the 20 years because you want to freak out because it's so crazy. You're like, if somebody scares you physically, mm-hmm. your reaction would be to be like, scream at them. But I'm like, screaming at them doesn't do any good because they don't even know what they're doing. So now we have to almost, I always describe it as like, you. my favorite saying is you don't want to be your, uh, you don't want to become your boyfriend's mother because then he has to find a girlfriend. <laughs> and that was always like, I don't want to be a guy's mother. But now I'm like, well, all right, I'll be the good mom. I'll set the good boundaries. Right. Because I don't want to be, I love men, so I don't want to hate men, but man. We're tough. Well, I, it's also societal. It's the way kids are raised. It's the way boys and girls are raised. It's very, very deep. So I don't even know if I'd like to say that guys are tough. I'm trying to be very pragmatic about it and be like, this is just how it is. Well, it's so ingrained in us. It's very ingrained in us. And there from is. An, from, from an early age, what are, what we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And the way, the way I took, the way I've been sort of reading the Me Too movement is not purely sexual, but just in terms of the the various amount of ways that men have marginalized women's voices and i but i would say it's because they don't want us to do business you really think it's, they it's won't just do about business. the money it's just about the money i guess if you because i, if I guess if you if you translate power into as money mm-hmm. if you define power as money then yeah but most people do we don't get paid equally. Right. I mean, you could break it down to to that. Two a woman and a guy do the same job. They don't get paid equally. Like just simp- Like that's what's happened to me. I've just broke it down to it's like bare minimum because I don't get emotional about it anymore. Right. I mean, you know, you saw you've seen just with some of the the powerful men in media who have been called out, and then people are going back and looking at how they interviewed Hillary Clinton during the election, going, "Oh, these men who were be- treating women horribly also treated." this woman horribly and they were they were defining the narrative of the defining election defining the narrative okay what about that video of Bette Midler with Barbara Walters right and we just glossed over it but I've had my whole career has been that Glossy. my whole career has been everybody glossing over what's been going on so I'm like none of it I don't I'm very pragmatic now I'm like right. I know and that's why I'm, I finally feel like myself because it's like and also and, and to everybody's credit like I'm not saying they gave me my TV show I was one of the youngest women in Ever to even want, there were only a few of us that even had our own sitcoms. So right. they got, they let me on the air. So that was like to their benefit because they did, I was very provocative. I didn't know, how, I didn't have a handle on how provocative I was because I was provocative in the sense that I see the truth and I do want to be, I do, I'm like the guys is one, the only way I could describe it. I'm like a Chris Rock. I'm like those guys where it's provocative. And so I don't fit into a box, but they did want me to, they saw what I had, but I didn't have a handle on what I had. And I didn't have a handle on how hard it was going to be to, to be, through the sexism. I mean, I knew right. the sexism when I was in my 20s. Well, I was like, that's what I was trying to get at. I mean, I used the wrong language to, no, to, to what, ask the language. What I was trying No, what I was trying to segue to was to get back to when you were a teenager in Dorchester, just starting to find your way in a comedy scene that was one of the biggest comedy scenes in the country. And you were part of like the second wave, which was actually kind of some people will look at it as like the peak mm-hmm. of Boston comedy in the late 80s and early 90s. And I remember I was new. In, in you know, you hear a lot about uh, Patrice O'Neill's story or Billy Burr's story or Dane Cook's story, but I don't know what your story was. Right. Why? So I was trying to get, right. So I was trying to get to what your story was. But even that's interesting. Like, why didn't you hear what my story I had it in my own TV show. 
all those three people that you talked about don't even didn't even have their own TV show. It's like that's the level of the sexism and the glossing over of what happens with women, almost to the point that I almost didn't even realize what I had done. Because the abuse of power and the sexism is so bad that it makes the women feel like they're not. Even if you're doing something, you're like, I'm nothing. Because look how they're treating me. Was that was that how the Boston clubs made you feel? Or is that more of a Hollywood? Well, it's not that they make you feel a way. It's just, it is. The, 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 the structure. It's set up. Yeah, that's what it is. It's yeah. structurally set up. Well, and also, I mean, the 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 level of the way that they don't want you to talk, they won't let you do the business. The not letting you do the business is the biggest thing that I am focusing on now. They render you powerless, so you can't do business. And it's with the bullying, with the mm-hmm. puffing up, with the with the like fatherly. That's the only way I can describe it. Like they try to yell at you, and they they take it off the table. Like most guys, you can do like this business. You got to mm-hmm. do business, and they don't let the women do the business. They 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 try to sexually harass you. They they push you around. They physically push you. They they withhold money. They take your money away if you stand up to them. There's there's so many ways that they take away your power. That's just realistic. It's not even and that's and that's a, that's happened to you on every step. Of the ladder? Every step. And that's what's happened is I've gotten to the point that I'm like, it's happened so much that I have nothing to lose. Like, I used to be like, oh, I had to be careful. They won't let me work there. They won't let me work there. And I'm like, well, they don't let me work there anyway. So right. I'm like, yeah, no, why don't I create a whole thing about how it happened? So, and now because it's so out in the uh, out in the stratosphere, if mm-hmm. you want, now it's like now my voice. And, and that was what I was going to say about the sitcom. They said I was ahead of my time back then. And I didn't understand what they were talking about. And now I'm really freaking out like, oh my gosh, how could time have caught, caught up? And how did they know? And I don't even think people knew. And I didn't really know. I mean, I just had a big meeting with a, a big, huge head of a conglomerate. And it's so funny because they're all meeting with me, all these big, powerful men. Mm-hmm. But they're like, it's like, it's almost like dating. Like they're like, come, you come, Come close, get away. Come close, get away. Come close. They don't. They know. They know what's happening. They know. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about. They know what's going on. But, and I have compassion for that because I know that it's going to be like an uncomfortable change. But, so who could you look to in those early days in the '90s in Boston before you moved to New York? Who could you look on? To well, it's funny. Allies? I was just going to tell you. So I remember being at Nick's Comedy Stop, and um, Ellen Claycomb was was headlining. Was she on SNL at the time? She was on SNL at the time, and she uh, and the guy. So in the uh, back then, the headliners, the male headliners, would host or whatever. And so mm-hmm. there was a male headliner that host, and he left, and he never came back to introduce her. And I remember my whole body going, "He did that because she's a woman, and he didn't want to have to introduce her." Huh. And if I had said that to you years ago, people would have been like, "Sue, stop, stop, Sue, will you stop with that? Oh my God, her with the girl stuff." That's what I mean by people saying that. And then you're like, okay, well, okay, I'll just push down the reality and what my gut is, my whole being. Okay. And then I just remember looking around in Boston and being like, oh, my gosh, there were so many funny women that hadn't, that didn't have careers. And I was like, I have to get out of here. And so, so to, to my own credit, I've always seen the sexism. But to, to emotionally get – I would say emotionally to get through it is what the, the hardest part is. Right. So who – did you have allies in that, in that respect to keep you – Mm-mm. You felt like you were all in it all by yourself. Well, Kathy Byron was a stand-up with me at the time. I hung around with Kathy Byron, mm-hmm. but we were younger, so we were we were newer. So we didn't have we weren't, you know, we hadn't seen what was going to become of us yet. Right. But and I was able to see it, and I was like, I got to get out of here. This town's sexist. I got to get out of here. And that was coming at you from not just the older guys who were already established in the Boston scene, but also 
the people in your peer group. But even what you just said, like those guys that you mentioned and you said you never heard my story. It's so, I mean, I headlined a club. Or I, I, I was, I middled for this guy and I was like, how come I can't headline? And he's like, because we do it by credits. And I go, well, the guy that headlined that I middled for has 93 followers on Twitter and he's never done anything. And I'm like, I have my own TV show. I've been on Last Comic Standing. Mm-hmm. I was in the movie The Fighter. I've been in Lawrence Fishburne movie. You I've were been, regular on Tough Crowd. I was a regular on Tough Crowd. I mean, if you talk about like legitimately what I've done with my career right. and how there is something about, I don't know, my I have like a, a little bit of a masculine energy in terms of like the way I do business. Like mm-hmm. I don't get emotional but I also don't take any shit. So they're like, I can't control that. That's what (laughs) happens. (laughs) And they get, and it makes them really mad. There were some people I remember, I remember Eddie Brill got in a lot of trouble Mm -hmm. when he was profiled for Mm -hmm. saying that the women who succeed on Letterman are the women who have a masculine energy. That succeed in the writer's room? No, that's, that succeed and get on like, no, he said he doesn't think women are funny. That's what he said in that article. But didn't he? But didn't he say something about the ones who do succeed have a have a masculine energy? Maybe he means he does. Maybe he means I uh, don't know what he meant. I'm just saying because that, my didn't, masculine didn't, energy. Didn't he say something about that though? I don't remember that part. Okay. But my masculine energy is, comes in a very feminine form. That's the way I would describe it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm like rah, and that's what they don't like. They don't like it. They don't like that they might want to have sex with you and you're smart and you can do business and you're funny. They don't like it. And it's like, I've known it for years. And I was afraid, I used to kind of say it. But then again, and then I have to say it's like double because they have let me around them. So in right. terms of like, I've been around all the guys. I was on I was on Tough Crowd all the right. time. I mean, they all have reverence for me. So it's this idea. Of, and so that's where I want to just stay in this idea of like, it's my responsibility. Regardless of what's going on, I have to do what I need to do. And I, I remember saying that when I first came back from my my TV show. Right. I went to a woman's seminar up at Stand Up New York and I had just come from the front lines and I raised my hand and I was like, we have to deal with the sexism. I'm like, if we don't deal with the sexism, we're never going to, I'm like, we have to admit it and then we have to figure out a way to go around it. And they screamed bloody murder. Even and that was women, almost two decades ago. Even the women didn't want to hear it. And I used to joke on stage. I used to say women, nobody wants to hear it. About our oppression, nobody wants to hear it. I used to say I was going to go on stage as a black guy feminist because they get to talk about the pussy and they get to talk about uh, their oppression without, you know, totally freely. I'm like, what if I'm a black guy feminist that just defends the pussy because uh, or becomes a feminist because I'm defending the pussy? Like, we should get more money so we can, like, (laughs) take better care of the pussy. (laughs) I'm like, maybe they'll hear it then. And I also have been saying for years, if you see a female comic on stage and you think she's funny, she's 75 million times funnier than she is when you see her hit that stage because of the stuff we have to... I've been saying this for years. But you have to talk about what what we're pushing through like a, like a people's conditioning. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot to push through. Well, how did you push through that the first time in the mid-late 90s? Push through All the of sexism? That, yeah. Well, I the show, I didn't get to be the right. I mean, they pushed me out of the writer's room. The, the guy who played my father was totally sexist and jealous but I mean, that I but, was the boss. But I mean, even to get to that... Even to I get don't to that. let it affect. I mean, that's why I'm still standing. I do not. I know it's there, and I just keep going. And now, what I've learned how to do is like almost like the boys do business. Mm-hmm. I don't stop, 
and then the guys don't know what to do with me because they, what they do is they try to like, they'll, they'll try to go play on your emotion. They'll try to make you mental. They'll try to make you angry. They'll try to do all this stuff to get you away from their power. And I, it doesn't affect me anymore. And they keep saying out loud, you're scary. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. But, but, in, but in 97, 98, Fox and CBS were attracted to that. Right. But I and mean, you can also argue that a lot of what the t- my TV show was was my sensibility and a lot of it was what was put on top of me. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't as strong as I am now. I mean, I remember they they followed me around the set, don't be like Roseanne, don't be like Roseanne, don't be like Roseanne. And now I'm like, I should have been like Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't realize right, to what had, was to going make sure on. your voice was coming through in the show. They what? To, you should have you're no, they were you should have been of, like Roseanne to have your voice on the they, show? Or? And the way she stood up for herself mm-hmm. and took care of her show. I mean, she right. had a hugely successful show, but that took a lot. Yeah. Same thing with, with Lucille Ball. She, when Carol Burnett interviewed her, she said as soon as um, Desi Arnaz, they got divorced, mm-hmm. she said the day he, we got divorced, I knew I was going to have to add the S to the end of my name. Hmm. And just, I don't know why people don't want to hear. I don't know. It's like... And the truth of the matter is the whole reason why the abuse of power is happening is because it's perverted. It is perverted. It's like I'm so logical and pragmatic. I'm like, it's a, that's why they're doing what they're doing because we gave them too much power. It's just a cycle. It's like an energy thing, like a psychological thing. It's not even like a judgment. It's like you give somebody too much power, they're going to act. They're going to act. It's human nature. They're going to act crazy on it. In, in the moment, though, back, you know, you have all this hindsight. Mm-hmm. And all this experience now, mm-hmm. but in the moment when the show, when you were getting the show and you have this meteoric rise and then it disappears, mm-hmm. what were you feeling in that moment? After it disappeared? Yeah. Like I never wanted to do that again ever as long as I lived, that that was the most painful thing that I had ever been through. And it was the thing that, that you're told as a comedian, that's the thing that you want. Well, and in that sense, I'm you're lucky th- too, because I remember <laughs> standing on the set, walking up to the camera guy and going, excuse me. So I'm going to be in this airplane hangar for like 12 hours a day. I'm like, and my show is going to go out that camera. And if it's really successful, I'm going to be so famous that I won't be able to go outside this airplane hangar. And I just remember having this feeling inside and being like, ugh. <laughs> but, isn't that, but isn't that what they told? I mean, they, they sort of s- still tell you that to some degree, even though there's so many different opportunities for comedians. But back in the day, wasn't it? You're supposed to go to Montreal, mm-hmm. you get a you get a six figure, seven figure development deal, and then you get a sitcom, and then you're set for life. But that's but it, that's childish that's kind thinking. Of the, but they, but that's the childish thinking that was ingrained in people. Wasn't that's it? what I'm saying. Because yeah. then they can take advantage. Because then you're like, oh, and then you act like a lo- then you the power, the distortion of the power. Then you're like, mm-hmm. I'm, ah, and then you're like, but yeah. I didn't like that. I never liked any of that because my thing is I like being around the people. So I was that fame thing was not. They couldn't get me with that because I didn't want that. And the same thing with the money. I didn't. They used to scream at me. You're going to want a boat. You're going to want a plane. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't want that. And then that. Those are the things that they get people, you know, to manipulate right. them on. So when it didn't make you famous, you were slightly relieved. You're it wasn't because I was never wanted to be famous. I wanted so to longer. express myself. And you said you went straight to writing, to the play. Yeah. And now I have this play that I've been working on 20 years. It's all about sexism and abuse of power. And I can't believe that I did. I can't believe it's exactly what's going on today. I, it's called I Am Sue Costello. And it's all about finding my authentic self. But it's like from Spartacus. You remember mm-hmm. Spartacus? I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. I feel like everybody, we're all the same. 
in that sense that we it's a way we express ourselves that is different but i feel like even the guys when i talk about like i've had guys say to me like what is creepy sue this is before this all broke out all this stuff but they would say to me what is creepy so i've been just listening and learning and watching and trying not to be emotional and be like they really don't know what's creepy like we gotta i just wanted to stop not yelling but i wanted to stop like reacting whether that means caving in or that means yelling at people or that means crying or that means quitting or that means I was like, how do I, how do I unsocialize my, the way I was socialized to be a woman? And I used to say this in the very beginning about stand-ups. I mean, the, 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 you tell a guy in the beginning that he stinks or he sucks and he tells you, F you, I'm going to go, go on harder and stronger. Mm-hmm. You tell a girl that we would, and it would be usually a man telling you that. It would take us a while to recover emotionally from it. And a lot of times it wasn't even, uh, that's the other thing. It's not logical. So you can feel it in your chest how they're, they're just being abusive or that they're rendering you powerless. They'll sit across you and say, you can't, you can't get a spot or the guys will get four spots on the weekend and we'll get one. I mean, imagine like, and we still get on stage and kill like what? People don't even see it. The guys get four spots like nothing. They make more money than us. Right. So how, how for these, these 20 years that you've been working on the play, how do you keep going not knowing when it's all going to come together? I don't know. To be honest with you, I lost everything. I lost every single thing. And I didn't even, I was like, I stripped myself bare. I was like, I don't, I, I don't even want any of this. And it was good to strip myself bare because I was rebuilt very, very slowly. And my strength walking through things and like standing up to the club owners and seeing and then seeing. The hardest thing was to see the truth. The hardest thing was to sit and, and just realize like, oh my God, it's because I'm a woman. And not hate the fact that I'm a woman because I'm not going to change that. Right. So once you see that and you can accept it, then, then it's you can, gone. Then, then you can do something about yes. it. Yes. Then, then, then it burns off. And then I'm like, oh, because if that was what I was like, almost the, that whole idea of like what you resist will persist. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's like, resist, resist, resist. And I'm like, I think I was resisting that I was even a woman. Like I didn't want to admit that this was that bad. Well, it's like they say with surrender. Surrender is just joining the winning side. And it's so funny. All I did was surrender that I'm a woman. <laughs> I laugh now, but it was not an easy. And I and I can sit across from them and I can watch what they're doing. I can watch the guys. And then the other thing is like teach, like showing people what's going on because I'm far beyond it. Mm-hmm. And to try to get the people now, like I've talked to, but they want to hear it. So it's like I have to have my own compassion for people that they don't always see what I'm seeing yet. So that that ability to communicate so specifically with the play yeah have you mounted different versions of this yeah i've been working on it then that's the other thing was hard to put it up especially in a time when even my tv show though i I put that out like i went back and looked the other day because i went through all the reviews and i'm Mm -hmm. I'm very i got over the emotional part of it and And you have some of the old episodes on on your youtube yeah and one of the scenes is where the um the guy from the dentist i go to harvard dental school to Mm -hmm. go get my uh my teeth fixed and the guy asks me out because I'm talking about James Joyce. And the weird thing is like James Joyce's book, we talk about the dead. My whole play is about walking around dead even though you're alive. I mean, my whole life is like, that's what's so cool about the play. It's like, you see me do stand-up, you see that it's all meant to be. I, this play, everything that I'm doing is like, oh my gosh, maybe that is true. Like maybe we all do have something that we're meant to do. That's what's going on. So anyway, so I look back on the dentist episode and uh, I had the guy come to the bar. As opposed to what Hollywood would do is have me go to the rich family house and like be like fish out of water. And I was like, no, have him come to the bar and just his presence in the bar is going to provoke the blue collar guys. Mm -hmm. And the other day. He's on your turf. 
but also because of the rich, the, mm-hmm. the idea of the rich. And I was like, oh my gosh. I been, I was talking about the middle class feeling disenfranchised 20 years ago, and those same guys voted for Donald Trump. I'm like, I was saying that 20 years ago, and I'm almost blowing my own mind. I'm like, because I wasn't, the difference is, is people weren't completely hearing me, but I wasn't completely saying it either. Right. I, I didn't know what I was saying at the time, and now I know what I'm saying. So it's like this weird, and that's what the play is about. It's almost like if you could watch me walk into my own skin is what's what the play is. So how different is the play itself from when you first? Completely different. It's turned into this whole abusive power thing and like empowering people to. In the beginning, what it was just your I started off just doing normal, like a normal comic thing, like telling stories, like funny stories. This is me as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turned into. This is me overcoming adversity. (laughs) Now look at me. I'm a a butterfly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And but no, it's turned into. So it's a play. I never break the fourth wall. Mm Mm-hmm. I do stand up within the play, so you see everybody loves the stand up because it's now it's three dimensional. Now you see that it's from my life because you just saw my life, and then it it also goes from being dramatic to funny. So the stand up pulls you out of the drama, so it makes it even funnier. So it's like it makes it have more depth to it. Does it? And you know, since we got off on such a weird foot, how do we? How do I? Or how do? How do? How do us men of privilege and power, how do we go about helping you not, I don't want to say blow up the system, but how do we, because how do we, how do we, how do we fix it? Well, I feel like, first of all, the conversation has already started. So that's a big deal already. And I do think for me. But to make sure that this isn't just a a passing moment. Well, the problem is, is that it's not only going to be a passing moment. If it doesn't, if something doesn't happen, it's going to be worse. It's going to be like that creation destruction thing. It's going to get worse before it gets better because that is what's happening. I'm, I've experienced already standing up to these guys that are in trouble. I've been in presence with them and mm-hmm. talked to them and everything, thinking full well that they know they're in trouble and they're more abusive. That's their move. Hmm. And you sit, and I'm able to sit there and go, oh my God, they're being more abusive. Then they're, they're not learning right. anything. And that's where I think that, that, Women, men that, that aren't abusive or that don't want to be abusive, we all have to get together. I don't want to hate men. I, I think we should all. We, I need the men because think about it. You guys all get the money, right? I need the men to help me to get the money too. And that means asking the guys to fall on the sword. It's a big deal. Well, I feel like when I look back on just even recent movements in, in the progress for civil rights, it's always been kind of incumbent upon us straight white guys to stand alongside the aggrieved minority. Yes, but even when you say that to me, I'm like, but it's also up to me to have compassion and not expect you, like, just, I don't want to be like, you have, like, right, I, not, I don't, I don't mean like in a white knight scenario. No, but it, but there is something cool about appealing the, to that. Why not, why not appeal to that? Why not appeal sure. to the way we're socialized? Why not, why not appeal to nature? Why not appeal to the guys wanting to help women? Why not appeal to the good side of it? That's what I, why not? Right. If guys, they like to fix things. They like to fix problems. They like to solve things. Like, okay. I'm asking you, how do, yeah, how do I, how do I help fix it? By having this conversation right now, by hearing me like you did was very cool. Mm-hmm. You could have just said, no, I'm not going to hear that. I've been more nasty to me or whatever. So that's helpful. I do think I'm saying it in a way that men can hear me. But I, I think what's happening is, is the guys are seeing because the conversation's going on. But it's going to take a little while. I think we need to just keep. I think we need to keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's an actual. If I have an actual solution, because 
It's already happening. I went into a network in, the, in July and I sat across from the woman. I said, it's over. It's all about to crumble. All the abuse of power, all the sexism, it's over. Right to her face, I said it. And a few weeks later, the Harvey Weinstein thing happened. <laughs> I, I had no idea. But I've always felt this in my body. I've always known the truth. I've always known what's going on. And I've always said things before they happen. And so I, from my standpoint, I have to have compassion that. Do you think it matters if it's from the top down or from the bottom up? The change? I think it should be from the bottom up always. I think I made a song. I did my podcast now. My song that I sang the other day is why is the 1% winning when there's 99% of us? I know. It doesn't make because, any sense. Because we're all, we're not empowering ourselves. That's why it's called I Am Sue Costello because it's like I, I empowered myself. I unhooked from what I was doing. I was like, what if I just don't do that anymore? And then I empowered myself and I'm like, it's very powerful to not yell at guys it's very powerful to not fight with them they don't know that's where they're the most scared scared of me so for comedy just the specific very narrow niche of comedy do we go to the bookers yeah the men the men club owners do we have to have a not even just the men the women too because what happens is the women the women tend to help the men because it's the way the system is set up. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, there have been bookers at Comedy Central who are all women. And then you, you look at who gets the half hours mm-hmm. and it's still mostly all mm-hmm. men. But And then you wonder, yeah. like, where does that come from? I mean, I, had, I just had a situation last week with a big company where the women, the guy used the women to get to, to mess with me. Hmm. And I could see it in five seconds. And I'm like, this is what kills me. It's like, stop doing that to me because I'm not the person to do it to. Stop it. They, but they're still trying because they're still trying the same thing. And then it, what happens is it goes back on them because I'm like, I know what you're doing. Stop it. I have no, I'm unshakable in that. So there's no more like, oh, I, I don't know if I did that. Or what if they're mad at me or whatever. So the, yes, the, in the comedy world, we should get equal pay, equal work. The guys have four spots on the weekends. The girls should get the four spots on the weekends. I mean, it's simple. But if you look at the lineups, they have one right. woman, they have one spot, and the guys get all the spots, so the guys have been there all the weekends. Like, it's because people will try to fall, find holes. No, they have four spots. I'm like, no, just look at right. the overall thing. It's not, it's and so... Then and then, the, well, there's also the bookers across the country who are like... The men. I've had men three- club owners be so disgusting to me and so crippling and so horrific to me. And finally, I was like, "Sue, you, it's you got. No, it's not me. I went to therapy. I did everything to find out if it was anything that I was doing, and I healed a lot of the stuff that could have even been qu- possibly anything." And I'm like, and I had to sit with, "Oh my God, they just don't like that you walk on that stage and that you kill Sue and that they can't take advantage of and they don't manipulate you." I mean, Chris Murphy said to me a long time ago, he's a comedian. He's like, "Sue, I don't think you should be a comedian." <laughs> What does he think you should do? And I said, why? He said, because you have too much self-esteem. And I didn't always have the self-esteem. I had the awareness and I knew how to say it. I didn't know how to follow through with it. So that was my weakness. My weakness was I saw what was going on. Mm-hmm. I could say it, but then I would cave. And now I'm like, what? It's real. And the, so the, 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 the tenacity with which I've had to stand up for myself. I mean, I have a club, the club owner up in a, a casino up in Connecticut. <laughs> he literally two years ago I was with my friend in my apartment and I asked if I could work there mm-hmm. I emailed and they were like no you can never ever 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 work here why exactly and then so I called his father who, who runs the club and I'm like thinking full well I'm like what's going to happen and he's like you can never ever 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 work here that's what I'm talking about rendering me powerless and I'm like well did I do something is there something I can do? I'm from Boston. Right. I, you know, I can't, I'd like, it'll probably be good. 
for me to be in that casino, blah, blah, blah. Nothing, no, never, 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 never. And then I was in, in Flower, I was in uh, Vermont with this guy, and he's like, oh, I'm friends with that club owner. I'm going to tell him to let you work there. I'm like, go ahead, but he's not going to let me. And he tells him, and the guy says, never, 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 never. So what I did was I called the casino, mm-hmm. and I said, do you have any idea why this club won't let me work right. there? Which is what I never would have done. I would have just internalized it and not made a living. Because they render you powerless. They're not doing business. That's what I'm saying. They're not telling you why. They're not saying. Right. That would that would drive me crazy. Yeah. But that's what they do to women. So then I went to the club owner and then, uh, I mean, to the casino. And the guy was like, you can don't ever call anybody at this casino ever again. I was not. All I did was call to ask mm-hmm. and be assertive. And he's screaming at me. I'm not screaming. He's screaming. And uh, he hung up on me. And I went in the kitchen. And I remember I was shaking inside. I was shaking. I was shaking. I was like, that is so crazy. And so guess what I did? I broke the fear and I went back in my room and I called him back because mm-hmm. I stood over the sink and I go, he's not my father. And I called him back and he answered. And it was like I broke, I dispelled all the fear. I was like, you just told me never to call anybody and you just answered my phone. And I laughed and then I felt lighter. <laughs> and so recently, Did he laugh? No, he's pissed. Uh. They don't like it. And so then uh, recently I had a woman call on my behalf to mm-hmm. the club. And, you know, and he tried to call the woman and try to get her to turn her on me. By saying, like, he's like, you know, she asks every year if she can work here. Yeah, what's wrong with that? See what you're saying? But normally I would never even told anybody that because the shame and what they do, you don't. I wouldn't. But but to you, as a guy, you're like, of course I ask. What do you think? It's my job. Like, what do you mean? Right. Like, I ask you about being so active on social media. Like, that's what what am I supposed to do? Right. It's like, but it's so weird. This whole, like, knock women down, knock them down, knock them down. And so, uh, and then he was like, uh. He was like, you know, she went to the casino. We weren't interested. He said we weren't interested to begin with. And then she went to the casino and now we're really not interested. And I'm like, I went to the casino because you wouldn't give me an answer. I want to know why. Like, tell me why. Do business with me. Right. But he thinks I'm going to be ashamed. He thinks the lady's going to be ashamed. He thinks we're going to. Oh, bad girl. What he's pretty much saying is you're being a bad girl. And now I'm really not interested. But still, he won't tell me why. That's so weird that he won't tell you. And so guess what? I emailed again. Mm-hmm. And then he went to the lady manager and he's like, did you talk to her? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. What? And that, But he's still engaging. That's what's so interesting right. about it. I must be somebody because they're all engaging with me. And then I would drop the ball and not realize that they were still engaging right, with me. Right, because they could just ignore your emails. Exactly. So why? And then, the, so then she, I told her, I said, just tell him this. I said, ask him, is it because he doesn't think I'm funny? Ask him, is it because I did not sell tickets? Ask him, it's because, did I do something to him? Ask him, is it just because he doesn't like me? Right. And she goes, oh, that's a good approach. I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> like just regular approach. Right. <laughs> and then guess what he did? called her but it's so good because now the the woman that's calling on my behalf people Mm -hmm. are starting to see do you know how much tenacity it takes for me to let this woman see because she's saying he's calling me because he's shady she's like why doesn't he just respond in the email and i'm like exactly this is what i've been trying to tell people for 20 years (laughs) right well i mean yeah you have to not give up not give up at all but not only not give up but but be able to get to the point that yeah and and also like what is it? Does this guy right? Does this guy think I'm going to go somewhere? I'm not going right. anywhere. But also, I've had to work through them trying to absolutely cr- crush, crush me. I've had clubs where they told me I sold out more than all the boys, more than Nick DePaula, more than Bobby Kelly, mm-hmm. and they and and I've asked to stand. A guy will the host will go on after me, and I, for 20 minutes after I headline, and I say, please don't let him do that. 
never let me work there again. First of all, he would never go on 20 minutes after a guy. And second of all, why would you, just because I stuck up for myself and I sold out the tickets and then I start talking to Wall Street guys and you know what they tell me? These guys are ruining their business because they hate women. They'd rather ruin their business and I, and I have to sit with it. All right, because you're the, you're the victim of it. And I have to sit with it. And I have to hear it and I have to go, okay, what do I do? And you know, I just came back right now. I just found another place in New York City to go headline myself. The Boston Globe did a whole article about how I did it myself because they wouldn't let me headline up there. I'm from Boston. You're from right down the road I've from the Globe. I've sold it out, but I've sold it out. But you know, it's interesting. The cool part about it is I'm getting out from underneath this level of like trying to fight this low level. That's what's happening. That's where I was getting all hooked up. And I'm fi- I don't care. You'll, I'll be so unstoppable. They don't even know what to I'll do it in the Washington Square Park. I don't care. <laughs> That's where I was like thinking that they were because I was, I was participating in the system. They would render me powerless. I would cry. I would quit. That's what they wanted. Or it would take me months. And to my own defense, like it takes a long time. And women out there and women comics and women who work in like regular jobs, like they'll, they're going to hear what I say because they get it. Right, because it's happening not just to you, but to... I mean, think about a boss in a, in a, where you work in a cubicle. Sometimes they put the woman to sit next to them so they can intimidate them more. They know all the, like all these little moves that they do. And, no, and, it's, and it's always uh, insidious because you, to the naked eye, you can't see it. That's why they like when you go mental. Because they do it to you and then they make you mental and they go, look how mental she is. <laughs> Even though they, they trolled you into it. They, tro- they absolutely troll you into it. So, so the advice we have now, be tenacious. Absolutely. Don't give be up. tenacious. But also keep you cool. And that doesn't mean don't get mad sometimes. Right. Like, I get mad, but I don't stay mad. And that's the coolest part about it, honestly. That's where I say, so, so you think like, oh, you're not supposed to get mad. You're a woman. I'm like, I get mad. I push the, what I, what I told somebody the other day, they were like, oh, you have to be a woman who's, she's, they were like, I thought you had to be a woman that was like, bleh, bleh, bleh. and I'm like, no, that's preemptively striking. And that for me, it was because I was weak inside and I didn't have any ability. I go, right. no, what I do now is you push me and I push you right back. That's it. And then as soon as I push back, I'm free and I'm happy again because I'm pushing. It's almost like push back the behavior, love the person. Like I never knew how I was going to keep my femininity my compassion and everything and now what i'm learning how to do is like push back the behavior love the person and i feel like in relationships that's that's everywhere like people act poorly so i don't want to act poorly because they're acting poorly so i just and i have no question in my mind like if somebody steps on my body i'm like and then they're like well well this is my only game this is all i have and that's what's funny the narcissist it's like they only have a plan a and I'm realizing it because I'm doing it so rapidly with so many people. I'm like, they're doing the same thing. They all have the same game. It's like, call on the phone. Mm-hmm. What's your number instead of emailing? Because they want to bully you on the phone. I'm like, what? A- I already know all the games, buddy. And then they're like, they get more mad because they're like, why isn't she doing what, I- what she's supposed to be doing? Why isn't she being a good girl? You know where a good girl got me? Living with an old lady on 89th Street in her t- son's twin bed. I hope you're living better than that now. I'm slowly moving on <laughs> And the funny part about it is I always said I don't care about money. Mm-hmm. I care very much about money now. Because the money is the equal is the equalizer. 
So that was even like a weird sexist thing that I was keeping myself in. I don't because I don't care that much. I don't want to have tons and tons of money because I think that unbalances the power. But I definitely want to make a good living so I can take good care of myself so I can keep creating my art. And so I can keep renting out places that aren't comedy clubs so I don't have to deal with these guys. Just they, You know what it is? They're wasting my time. They're drama. That's what's happening because I healed all the stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, the guys are drama. It's not the girls. They're drama. This guy in Connecticut, he's calling, mm-hmm. he's emailing, he's doing all. It's like drama. Stop wasting my fucking time. I'm glad you're still here. You are? Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad I went all the way to find out what I could actually do I, I, if I had quit. I, that's why I didn't quit. Because I wanted to see if I could do it. It had nothing to do with external stuff. I was like, let me see if I can figure, overcome whatever weaknesses I have inside of me so I can see clearly what's going on. And that's what I did. Well, there's so many comedians, so many women who would have quit along the way. No, and to be, be honest. They would have quit before they got the show. They would have quit immediately after the show. I had a guy from Vultures. He, went away. Was, he interviewed me, and at the end, he was like, Sue, I got to tell you something from a personal level. He's like, the fact that you went, he goes, most, that would have killed, Daryl Hammond said the same thing. What happened to you would have killed most people. He's like, the fact that you're a happy human being restores my faith in humanity. And I'm like, people can just see it in my body. There's, I don't have to tell people. They can see my joy. It's like, everybody's like, Sue, you look better than you ever did. You look pretty. You look this. I'm like, it's called... Not letting them get you, <laughs> but in like a joyful, right. loving, great way. And my talent, I'm I'm hilarious. I'm hilarious. I kill, 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 kill. And so I was letting them think that I didn't, or I would say, "Don't say that. <gasps> You'll sound like a bad girl." But I was keeping. My, it's almost the only way I can describe it. It's like I was putting myself in my own room. You know, when your parents are like, "Go to oh, your yeah. room." No, we create our own prisons for ourselves. Yes, and I'm not doing it anymore. And believe me, this girl said to me, this manager said to me the other night, she said, Sue, would you describe yourself as brave? I said, that's exactly how I would describe myself. She goes, oh, I wasn't sure if that's what you thought. And she goes, because I didn't know if you were fearless. I said, oh, no, I'm not fearless. I get terrified. (laughs) I said, but I do it anyway. And she's like, that's a very honest answer. I'm like, it's the truth. Anytime a fear comes up, I'm like, I got to go through it. That's that's the bravery and the courage. Yeah, like that guy when I called him back. To face the fear. And what is the fear? The guy from Connecticut keeps calling. I'm like, why do they keep calling me? Why do they keep calling me? Why am I getting flown out to a network to pitch my TV show? First class. Why are they doing that? I hope it's so I can see more of Sue Costello. They fly me out there, then they yell at me, and then I go home and I go, they'll calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sue, I I really look forward to seeing... The show. Are you going to use this theater that you were at before you? Come I'm going to do stand up at the theater that I was at. I got to find another place. I'm going to showcase it and raise money or, or or crowdfund to do. I think I'm going to crowdfund. Okay. To do the play because I For love I the am idea. Sue Costello. Yeah, I love keeping it away from uh, the corporate system right mm-hmm. now. I want it because I want to do it my way. Well, hopefully sooner rather than later, we can all go see it. Yeah, it's going to be at SueCostello.com, my podcast. I revamp my podcast. Everybody, I want you to listen. I am Sue Costello. It's on iTunes. All right. It's me breaking it down, telling the truth for a half hour every week. I appreciate you getting uh, rigorously honest with me just now. Was I rigorously yeah. honest? It's all I am now. There's no, <laughs> there's no like, oh, maybe I'll be honest. Maybe I, this, this is it. This is what you hear on the podcast. I am not. I'm going to tell you, and I want to keep growing. If I've come this far, I want to see what else I can do. And I, like I said, we need the men. The well, men should be doing me too, too. Well, anything I can do to help, let me know. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. Last
This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Things first.